I was so excited to watch the talented Mr. Ripley. Idyllic movies about young people falling in love in Italy in the 1950s? What could possibly be better? There were hints of romance between Jude Law and Matt Damon, two of the more bangable actors, plus Gwyneth Paltrow in sleek, chic 50s fashion. Gwyneth Paltrow was one of the best faces in the rom-com biz, after all, and I was just so excited for some glamorous and very Anglo-Saxon love triangulation. Let me just say, this movie did not live up to expectations. Rom-coms are supposed to be carefree, sun-drenched, and sexy. They're not supposed to be carefree, sun-drenched, sexy, and full of murder. My god! I know you need some diversity and representation in the romantic comedy genre, but serial killer is not an appropriate occupation for a dreamy love interest. What kind of message does this movie send, including a psychotic murderer into a perfectly nice, affluent white love triangle? I brought my 13-year-old daughter to watch this movie with me, and now she is terrified of white men. Which is probably, you know, s smart of her, but she's also scared of rowboats. How is she supposed to go back to boarding school if she's terrified of rowboats and white men? But I guess it's a great movie if you like beauty, sex, and gore. There's so much blood. There's just so much blood. Welcome to episode 171 of Up for Discussion, an emotionally honest comedy podcast where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs. It's our three-year podcast anniversary, so we are doing a ton of really fun guest episodes right now. Uh, and before we introduce our guest, we'll introduce ourselves real quick. I'm Tom Zalatni. I'm Kate Bradley. And I'm Kate Hammer. Kate Hammer, one of our other new interns. Woo, welcome. Thank you so much. What's like the biggest thing that you want people to know about you going into this? Oh. Uh, no pressure. Yeah, right. Should have uh, thought about it beforehand. <laughs> um I'm a big fan of cheese. I grew up on a goat farm, and I run my own comedy show. Amazing. Uh, and without further ado, our guest for tonight is a teacher and performer at the Upright Citizens Brigade in Los Angeles, who you might have also seen in guest roles on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Community, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Comedy Bang Bang, and more. He's the host of Screw It, We're Just Gonna Talk About the Beatles, and its sister podcast, Screw It, We're Just Gonna Talk About Spider-Man. Give a up-for-discussion round of applause. Is that a thing on podcasts? <laughs> New now. <laughs> it, it is now. now. To Will Hines. How you doing, Will? Hello. Hello. Greetings. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Yeah. So we uh, we thought it would be really fun to like, you know, call up the guy that we know who is the biggest comedy podcast person. That's right. And uh, chat with you about that sort of stuff. I'm the absolute biggest. The biggest in the universe. That's right. Bigger than Mark Marin. Bigger than Scott. Ackerman, yeah. What's your philosophy around comedy podcasting? What's the sort of thing that drives you? Um, yeah, so I uh, have uh, terrible uh, success instincts uh, in that um, <laughs> I don't, I've never, you know, I, I haven't yet ever done anything with podcasting uh, with a plan. Like it's it's just like, oh, I want to talk with my friends about X or Y and also, I'll just do it. So I'll just do it. And if anybody wants to listen, they can. And if they don't, I'll never know. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's like, you know, labor of love, passion first kind of thing. 
sweet. I may, I may yet. I am thinking about doing another one, like the like. Right now, I have these two going. One, one about the Beatles. One about Spider Man. Uh, and that's Spider Man's going to be a limited run. So either when that one ends, or maybe if I just take a break from the Beatles, one, there's another one I maybe want to do, uh, like a comedy improvised one that I will be trying to make popular more overtly but i haven't done it yet so that's cool yeah because like i mean i guess the fun of podcasting is the barrier to entry is so low like if you have (laughs) some equipment and some time and you can you know sort of muscle through some minor technical challenges you can at least get a podcast up you know there's always ways to improve Mm. it and fuss over it but like just your bare bones basic podcast is not too hard to do so you know, as opposed to like booking a theater and having a show and actually having an audience show up or God forbid selling a show to television, you know, podcast, relatively speaking, is pretty simple. Right. Yeah. It's like it's easier than YouTube even in terms of like pre and post production. Yeah. So that's kind of tempting to just put something out there and see if it catches at all. And uh, and before I did these two uh, Screw It podcasts. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's built right in the title. Screw It. We're just going to talk about the Beatles like I, I, you know, I, it's a defensive title. It's like, look, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't have a reason for doing this. It's a yeah, Trump. Trump got elected. Here's how it happened. Trump got elected, and then two weeks later, I was like, well, I don't want to. I, I was bummed out, and I didn't want to talk about the news or politics. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to talk about the Beatles with my friends. Oh, and I'll just do it as a podcast. And so we yeah. we recorded a bunch of episodes, November and December of uh, 2016, and then in the January right after, we started releasing them. And initially, we were just going to do one episode per uh, Beatles album, which is like 12 episodes. And then we were like, this is fun. We'll just keep going. But, you know, it was very much just like, it's fun, so we'll do more logic. (laughs) Not, this will fulfill the grand plan that we laid out on day one. It wasn't like that at all. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's something really valuable about identifying something that you're passionate about and excited about and and just sort of going for it right yeah and also being so specific with it it's easy to find and it's you you have a target market of i guess people who listen to that yeah that's it you have a niche built in right out the gate which is nice well yeah the first podcast i did was called uh, i did one called don't get me started and that was with my friend anthony king who's another like ucb guy and we would uh i think it was anthony's idea i mean i know it was i just i it was his idea, and I think I, I think I can remember what how he expressed it to me. But he's like, oh, "I want to interview people with a focus on like positive stuff." Like, or he he goes, "There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of podcasts that talk to comedians about their careers, and that's good. Mm-hmm. But I want to do one that talks to comedians about just other things they're passionate about, so we can just get them, you know, in a enthusiastic place." about something mm-hmm. besides their careers. We're like, okay, so we started this one called Don't Get Me Started, and we had a lot of our friends on, and we, we loved it. We did 144 episodes or something like that, and it was really fun. But one of the problems was there was no niche topic, right, because it was whatever the person wanted to talk about. So it would just be like, you know, a history subject one week and then like ASMR the next week and then like the movie House Bunny the next week. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we lo- we loved it, but like it, the audience stopped growing after a certain amount, and so I was like, okay, the next one I do will have like something right in the title that like narrows it down. So I, right. that's why the, my next one was about the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, that that resonates a lot. Like we 
when this show started, we didn't really have a clear focus or a clear angle. And, you know, it's been three years now, so we've sort of refined that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I find even now, you know, from week after week, we don't totally know what we're going to be talking about. And I think it makes it really hard to market, right? Yeah. And and so we ended up actually launching this network earlier this year that... um, sort of this is our like hub show on the network the the first one that really existed and then we have a bunch of newer stuff that's all a little bit more targeted a little bit more niche yeah uh, in the hopes that they'll sort of like all the audiences will spill over into each other and we'll sort of create this nice comfy community right yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it I feel like there's the most like we have the most choice nowadays because we have internet and so much access to so much content that we can be picky and search for exactly what we want instead of just accepting what's uh, available in a way yeah and you want to you want to know what to expect like the mm-hmm. person's charisma and the enthusiasm only goes so far you're like yeah I like this person's voice and how they speak but i'd like to know where this is going for the yeah. next hour. i want to know what i'm going to learn about yeah <laughs> or not learn about yeah well do you guys look at um i mean you must do this play this game too like you look at successful podcasts and try to work backwards you're like okay well what, what works do? about <laughs> this one you know like i don't know like my brother my brother and me have you ever listened to that one? Oh yeah yeah, definitely. Uh, I've only listened to like two episodes of it. And I had, had Kate, the Kates. Have you heard of that? Podcast? <laughs> no, I haven't. As a collective voice. No. no. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty popular one. It's like just three brothers. And that's why they call it my brother, my brother and me. But there, I don't think there is a real focus other than that. It's just these three guys sort of hanging out. I mean, they have sort of like segments and stuff they repeat, mm-hmm. but there is no real central focus that other than you know, they're just saying we are fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Right. And they yeah. and they are. I mean, I listened to like I guess three episodes, and they're really charming, and they talk really fast, and they like interrupt each other, and they're yeah. they're good friends, so they they know each other really well. Mm-hmm. And it is sort of like, kind of like comfortably yeah. leaning up against a a a strong dynamic. Like when you're mm-hmm. listening to it, you can just sort of just sort of turn your brain off and ride along on their <laughs> conversation. Uh, I mean, that's a way to have a fun podcast. You know, a lot of people they're just sort of strong chit chat shows kind of Mm -hmm. right yeah well with those guys they're they're sort of the one thing that they have that's really consistent beyond their relationship is that they uh they get their questions from yahoo answers uh (laughs) which like if you guys haven't checked out yahoo answers ever it's basically um like a forum that you can post on Mm -hmm. uh through like yahoo that uh for some reason, it attracts exclusively the most ridiculous questions. Yeah. So people end up posting really weird stuff, and then all the answers end up being like really fantastic as well. So these guys have sort of started to mine that oh. uh, for like comedy, basically. Yeah, it's like the joke's already there, right? But that's not that's, but that's not in the title of their show, right? Like, right. it's not sold that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's that's true. Sort of interesting to work backwards from stuff and then like comedy bang bang to me was always like sort of a fascinating <laughs> mm-hmm. phenomenon right. um uh when i first heard about it i lived in new york and i was like i don't want to listen to just <laughs> comedians dick around for an hour and a half <laughs> like i can just hang out with my friends or whatever um and then i listened to it and it was like really contagious and fun and sort of lighthearted. but and then i found out how popular it was and i was like what like, <laughs> i was like i know it's good but damn that's like that's that's huge. And um, so Comedy Bang Bang is sort of like kind of defined a type of comedy that works on the Internet, which I maybe wouldn't have known before. Some some sort of like insane improv uh, mixed in with 
obvious, overt, lighthearted screwing around. Right. <laughs> like, like, like the guests are obviously not taking it too seriously, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to fully emotionally committed improv. Like, right. I don't know. It's like a silly, very silly improv that is uh, hugely appealing for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that part of part of what makes Comedy Bang Bang work is that Scott Ackerman plays off of those those ridiculous characters really well. Like he's he's a very good straight man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, or what's the oh, I saw a really good tweet about this the other day to get rid of the term straight man in favor of something more gender neutral. Um, uh, voice of reason is what we say at UCB. But voice I don't know of reason, what's... it was voice of reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Yeah. He he plays the voice of reason really well, right? He's he's very good at just kind of taking these ridiculous people that are in front of him, agreeing with what they're doing, but still grounding himself in reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and asking to justify, which then brings out all the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He makes it easy. I've, I've been on that show a couple times, and it's like pretty effortless because. I mean, maybe this is only when I'm on, but he does all the work. I mean, <laughs> um, uh, I've done it. All, I, I'm no master at that show, but uh, the the I, I've had fun on it. And basically, what I do is I come in and with a the smallest idea ever for a character, and then any question that Scott asks me, I just say yes, and then try to make up an explanation. Right. Um, and that gets me through uh, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Going to your future improv podcast and not wanting you to give away too much, but did you have a specific uh, like angle for that that you know you want to try to make it different or niche like your previous or current podcasts are? Yeah, I'm going to give it a little a little bit of one, but more more my challenge is uh, like how can I make it fun enough for my talented friends to want to be on it. <laughs> um, like I got a couple of friends that'll do it no matter what, mm. but if I really want lots of good people, it's got to be like a good time for them. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to paying guests if I ever was selling ads on it, but even, even long before I had an audience to even think about that, it's just like, how do, how do I, how do I make it a good party to be a part of? Right. Snacks. Uh, snacks. Yeah, <laughs> just that's the snacks, answer. Just yeah. snacks. That's it. Just like a pile of red vines. <laughs> yeah. Um, some yeah. chilled sodas, and it's like we. This is this is it. That's all people do. <laughs> that's all they need. Yeah. yeah. One uh, one that I've been listening to recently that I just found out about maybe two weeks ago is um, Never Seen It. It's this it's this newer podcast where um, the host brings in uh, guest comedians and has them write a like short script of a movie that they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And then they like get a bunch of people together and do a little table read of it. And uh, mm-hmm. I think the thing mm-hmm. that makes that show super fun, apart from that just being a great premise, is yeah. that he has little games that he brings back at the end as well. So it'll be like a 20 minute script and then another half hour of them just kind of playing games and dicking around. Mm-hmm. And so... What do you mean by games? Um, so so he's got one, for instance, that is um, he'll take two movies. Usually they'll have one word in common in the title, and he'll mm-hmm. give you a description of a new movie that like encompasses all of them. Um, so like okay, okay. Uh, a little junk robot um, lives on a planet by himself until he meets a small boy and bicycles off into the into the night sky would be like wall et okay right. Right. right um yeah and and i think that having sort of 
having something that you come back to consistently week after Mm -hmm. week that your audience thinks is fun is a really good way to get your potential guests to want to get on the show, right? Because they'll say, like, I really like that game you play. I want to do it. Right. Yeah. Here's what a jerk I am, though. Like, that does sound like a good idea, but I'm immediately like, ah, forget that, man. I don't want to do that. Like, it's too, I really, ah, I I mean, this is an inner conflict I have. Like, I don't want to do anything that cutesy. Like, I think that Jimmy Fallon's super funny, but I dislike how much my lame friends from college like his show. Like, I know that's <laughs> stupid. Like, I think he's super funny and I, you know, and uh, and there's cool things that happen. But when it's like, oh, we played, you know, we played Twister with like these two celebrities or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. uh, they, w- they wouldn't do anything quite like that. But, you know, we, we did charades with, you know, Snoop Dogg and, <laughs> you know, the 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 president of Poland or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's just so, it's so cutesy. Or it's like, or, you know, we got, um, you know, here's Mr. T singing the theme to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> it's just sort of like nostalgia board game stuff. I mean, here I am shitting on an incredibly successful <laughs> show. But like, I, I actually, I can't do it. Like, I can't live like that. Like, mm. um, I would rather, I would rather be relegated to my current 10,000 downloads and less uh, world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, than, fair enough. Um, just because it's like, you remember the original Daily Show before Jon Stewart, Craig Kilborn was the host? Does anybody even know about this or remember this? Or yes. know, know of that? Nope. No, slightly. <laughs> okay, so Jon Stewart, you know, hosted the Daily Show. But before he was host, it was two years where Craig Kilborn was the host. Craig Kilborn was a guy who was an ESPN anchor on SportsCenter. Mm. And he was... The funniest guy on Sports Center, meaning like on a show that wasn't comedy, he was he was really funny. Right. So they gave him this political show, and it was very like toothless and safe. They like they made fun of the news, but it was like pretty harmless. Mm. And he always ended every uh, episode with five questions. That was the segment: five questions, and it was five sort of very silly questions for their celebrity guest. Then Kilborn left and started his own show on, I think, CBS, and he brought five questions with him. And then the Daily Show hired Jon Stewart to replace him, and they were like, we're going to really attack the news. And then they became like a phenomenon, and Craig Kilborn's show got canceled. Right. And I'm like, that's the curse of cutesy comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Even though everybody involved in that story is 100 times more successful than I've ever been, I nonetheless uh, don't, don't like some certain types of stuff yeah and i mean i think that's totally fair like you're allowed to have yeah right everybody can do what they want yeah yeah exactly and and i think that you're right to try and take things from the angle of what is going to get me the farthest in my career doing this right because if you're going to put a lot of effort into something first it should be something you genuinely enjoy doing and then i think the immediate second thought should be how can i make this as monetizable as possible (laughs) And so, like, yeah, yeah I mean, monetizable is even jumping too far. Just how can I get anybody to listen to it? But yeah, it's yeah. essentially this, essentially the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And also jumping into something like if you were to do games, coming from that perspective, the games would probably be kind of disastrous because you hate them so much. Right. So yeah, like, you yeah. want that that would come through in your voice and and how you're yeah. interacting yeah. with everybody this, else. This like I can just see your life fifty years from now, Tom. Where you're like, I was so rich, but I hated what I did. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every movie. Yeah, that's it. You have to you have to find the stuff that doesn't feel soul crushing. <laughs> yeah, you know the dumb thing is though. I actually write. I do 
write for a quiz show. But I don't. I know, I know, but I don't, I don't mind it if it is a if the framework is this is a quiz show. Mm. But if it's it's really just the celebrity part that bums me out. It's like celebrities doing cute things. <laughs> right. I I feel like I feel that way about um commu- the the carpool karaoke. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah, exactly. It's like it's really fun and I can see where it's a good time, but uh I don't want to live in a world where that's the best thing that ever happened to me was I saw <laughs> Yeah. A celebrity sing "We Belong" for a couple minutes. Right. Yeah. And and I feel like that was a bit that worked really well the first time they did it, and then they've just brought it back over and over again, and now it's sort of it's stale, you know. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. a lot of the point of these games is also to make the viewer feel like, oh, they do things that I do. Like I play charades <laughs> with my family, and they're yeah. doing it yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. But they're. they're I not think the like problem us. is just all talk shows are weird. Like. Hmm. It's just a strange yeah, genre of honest. thing. It's forced. I mean, oh, it can't so be, forced, right? Yeah. It can't exactly. be. Like, they're promoting something. Mm-hmm. I mean, a talk show where people revealed their real nature would be both fascinating, but also <laughs> a completely different thing, you know? Right. Like, half of those actors would be like, okay, so I got super rich two years ago. I'm struggling with drug addiction in a major way. Uh, status has inflated my personality, and I no longer know who my friends are. <laughs> what else? What else? Um, uh... I'm engaged in a real ego war with someone I didn't even know who they were six months ago. <laughs> and, like, you know, instead it'll be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just do charades. We'll just do charades and yeah. it's all going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. But, like, I, I do. Uh, I uh, So, I guess another reason I like podcasts is I don't have to do what anybody says. I can, like, just mm-hmm. sort of do the show I want to do, whatever it is. And um, that's okay. Uh, it's kind of fun to have that freedom. Yeah. You absolutely. Know, you know, something that's fun is, like, is, uh, my Beatles show um, is picking who who to have on it. Like um, a lot of people love the Beatles and a lot of my friends are like, you got to have me on your Beatles show. And uh, in my head, I'm like, no, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I sort of do want to like my enthusiasm. I, I want it to be a fun, happy thing. But it's right. um, it's been difficult to manage that, like picking who – uh, to have on it. Also, I don't want it to be all middle-aged dudes, and most uh. enthusiastic Beatles fans are <laughs> yeah. middle-aged dudes. Just to get anybody under the age of forty, and then God forbid, a not male, right, is uh, uh, takes a little work, I guess. Yeah. Well, Kate Hammer, you can you can speak to that a bit, right? Because you produce a comedy show that is entirely female. Yeah, it's funny. I thought it was gonna be more challenging I had I wrote out a list of all the female and non-binary players I could think of I was like all right I got five shows and then I got to start you know having people back Mm -hmm. but it's actually been Mm -hmm. crazy I've I'm on my sixth and seventh show and like still there's so many people that haven't been on yet uh so it's really surprising I think as soon as you actively start looking, people come out of the woodwork. But mm, yeah. I, it's also I'm a little more general than like. But you also must love this one thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, it's definitely gotten easier. But um, yeah, my, my case is special. The Beatles are a band from the '60s. Also, uh, you know, I, a lot of gender generalizations tend to be wrong. But I'm going to make one now anyway, and that is. 
I feel like music fan, male music fans really like info dumping about their passions. <laughs> and so I have a lot of men who want to come on my show and summarize information about the Beatles. Right. I mean, I want to do it too. I started it for that reason. I certainly can't throw stones. But I've had a couple episodes of all-female panels about the Beatles just to see if the conversation is markedly different in content and uh, tone when I've got like four or five female Beatles fans and there's no dudes in the room. And actually it's not. When it's when you have that many people, it evens out. There'll right. be like some sort of info dumping female fan. And <laughs> the, the generalizations fall away as soon as like you actually have specific people doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, the, I think the generalization that makes sense out of that is probably more just that like men feel entitled to express their opinions a lot of the time and so if you have a show that involves expressing your opinions about something you're just going to end up with a lot of men who are like i should express my opinion about the beatles bring me on your show and yeah yeah there's probably a lot more my male friends being like you have to have me on (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but then that's funny that when there's women they're like okay well no there's space to talk cool i'm i'm gonna fill it then (laughs) yeah um Specifically about the Beatles, you know what's interesting is like the Beatles pretty famously had an almost all-female fan base for like the first half of their career. Mm -hmm. Like there weren't like screaming men in the audience at the Ed Sullivan show. (laughs) They were like – it was like it was like all girls. Like girls made the Beatles a hit uh, for years and years. But nowadays every Beatles biography is like some dude with glasses and a plaid shirt. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, how'd that happen? You know, that's that's weird. That's yeah. strange. I don't have an answer. Yeah, fair enough. Do, do you find a similar thing with the Spider-Man podcast? I mean, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, um, Spider-Man is even more nerdy and alienating. I mean, like, it's... Uh, Spider-Man is a... I do that with my brother. My, my brother, Kevin, and I are close. And when we were kids, we had a stack of reprints of the original issues of the Spider-Man comics that came out in the 60s the very the first like 40 issues and so we as kids we loved them so our podcast is just going through those issues one at a time so it's just me and him okay uh, so it's like I'm not worried about guests I have no idea who if anybody's listening <laughs> Tom um, Holland shout out Tom <laughs> Holland get him yeah on Tom Holland yeah I hope Tom Holland's a huge listener <laughs> yeah what if Tom Holland, like the only research he did to prepare himself for the Spider-Man <laughs> role was listening to yeah. your podcast? Yeah. He's like, this is all I need. <laughs> I mean, then I guess we did a good job because he, he's, he's doing great. Um, so I, I haven't delved into it as much. I, But I did have um, some some friends of mine, and they were guys, wanted to be on my Spider-Man podcast, and I let a couple of them do it. Uh, and, then, and then this – and then I got the – we got the current writer, the guy who's writing the current Spider-Man comic. Oh, cool! Is a guest is a guest in our show, and that's that's pretty cool. You yeah, know, sort of pretty legit or whatever. Tell me, uh, what are your guys? Um, tell me your whole life stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, who are where, you people? Where to start? Where to start? Uh, in 1992, a uh, <laughs> small town. <laughs> Give me like a one paragraph summary of your whole lives. Okay, should we go around the table? I'm serious. Yeah, all right, all right. like a three three paragraph. You know, like top top of the Wikipedia page. <laughs> if you if if you were a Wikipedia entry, you know what's like the first couple paragraphs. Okay, uh, I was born in Montreal, Quebec, to a single mom. Uh, we very quickly moved out to Vancouver because she was trying to get away from my dad, who was a sketchy dude she met at a pool ball. 
pool ball, mm-hmm. pool, bar. pool ball, uh, in a pool ball, in a pool ball. Um, <laughs> and then uh, once we made that break, uh, we eventually—that was a pool joke—moved back to Montreal, <laughs> maybe like six or seven years later, and have been here ever since. Uh, mm. I worked in the sort of online media world for seven years now i was a youtube person for a while and then quit that when i realized podcasting was way more fulfilling and i've never looked back and uh yeah i don't know what else to tell you about myself i'm an improv person and i'm having a baby in the fall that's my life thanks that's nice all right which of the kates will go first bradley she'll take the spot kb um I am the spawn of uh, British parents, the only one of my siblings who was born here. The first batch of siblings. Uh, my parents <laughs> got divorced, and then there was a second batch of siblings. Um, I, fuck, what to focus on? Uh, <laughs> yeah, did a lot of, um, I studied cartoon animation in college, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. then realized that I didn't want to be a robot in a studio right. copying other people's work, and yes. um, got into freelance illustration, and have been doing that ever since and uh, fell in love with improv about four years ago and it completely changed my life and then got into podcasting last year with uh, Tom's wonderful guidance and I'm doing it with my husband as well and, and that is that is Kate Bradley. Oh, nice. Yay. Yay. All right. Kate Hammer. Uh, Kate Hammer was born in a small uh, town in southern Ontario on a goat farm with three older brothers and... Uh, didn't do much for the first 18 years of her life and uh, then moved to Europe for a while to be an au pair, became a tour guide, you know, took the one year off for after high school in between university, which of course turned into five. Nice. And then uh, just started at a creative writing program at Concordia two years ago. Got into improv a year and a half ago. This is my first regular podcast that I'm on and very excited to be here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I run my own show, which this won't be released until next week. So I can say that Infamous got asked to be a part of Off JFL. So Whoa, just for congrats. last, so I'm completely oh, cool. excited uh, that like all my mother issues are finally coming, you know, to like <laughs> make me some money. So I'm very excited. <laughs> Sweet. Congrats on that. That's great. (laughs) Thanks. I'm Julian McKenzie, co-host of the Scrum Podcast, a sports show I'm doing with my podcasting partner in crime, Tristan Damore, on the UpFord Network. Every week, we analyze something different from the Canadian sports media landscape. Lack of diversity, getting a job in the field, coverage of different sports, and answering some of the harder questions. Through a combination of back-and-forth discussion and high-profile guest interviews, we're aiming to figure out exactly what's up in the world of sports. Find us wherever podcasts are sold. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Message in a Bottle, Morse Code, Telegram, Singing Telegram, Target, Walgreens, Bird's Nest, Dad's Shed, uh, and a crowded convention center bathroom. Eat healthy. Exercise regularly. Take cold showers. Avoid sugar. Practice yoga. Drink more water. Meditate. Practice mindfulness. Wear barefoot shoes. Avoid fat. Eat more fat. Go vegan. Try paleo. Do crossfit. Drink bone broth. Try black P90X. Try a 30 squats a day. Eat more day squats. Keto strongly good. Eat more protein. Flares. Get more protein. Avoid the dirty dozen. Try a bar Try Take an iron. Wake up early. Use a Staying healthy can feel overwhelming at times. Sometimes it feels like 
you have to change all your habits just to meet the baseline. But sometimes, all it takes is one little change. Ether Kombucha contains four powerful probiotic strains along with essential vitamins and antioxidants, all in a delicious, refreshing package which helps regulate digestion, support the immune system, and aid in the body's natural detox processes. Living healthier can be a treat with Ether Kombucha. Ether Kombucha. Do what works for you. For more information, follow us on Instagram at Ether Kombucha. It's funny that you asked us to sort of introduce ourselves and give you a little bit of like a taste of who we are as people, because um, our first Patreon topic is actually about making friends as we get older <laughs> in life. And I feel yes. like that's like a really, that's a really good way to do that is to just ask someone like, hey, what's your deal? Tell me about yourself. Yeah, I'm try- I've tried to, uh, I've, I- I'm unsuccessful at this, but I'm trying to come up with a series of questions that you can ask if you're at a wedding reception at a table full yes. of people you don't know that well. I just was writing about this this morning because I'm trying to, you know, yeah, how to break the ice. Because if you ask, like, what's your deal? It can be great, but can also put someone on the spot and then mm-hmm. they, like, kind of resent you. <laughs> so I I like kind of meaningless questions that people don't expect. Like, I'll, I'll go, hey, what'd you have for lunch today? And people will always answer honestly. And then like, they're just like, for some reason, it's really easy to follow up question on that. They'll be like, oh, uh, a sandwich, which I usually don't have. And I'll be like, oh, well, why not? And then like, (laughs) and then once you get, you're like comfortable in two seconds with that person. And then like, you know, then you figure out their deal really quickly afterwards. Yeah. 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 Find out their dark history with sandwiches. Yeah. One of the Kates want to tell the fine folks at Patreon and then we can continue this conversation. Tell the fine folks at home about Patreon. (laughs) I think is what I meant to say. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Making friends as an adult is tough. Sometimes it feels like you could spend forever in acquaintance purgatory and never know quite if you've actually crossed into the friend zone. That's where Patreon.com comes in. Patreon is an online crowdfunding resource which basically allows you to pay us to be your friend. We'll talk about you on the show, seriously consider your questions, and at a certain level, we'll even video chat with you. If you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us on Patreon.com slash up for discussion, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Candice, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Alex from Play the Mind, Jan, Jillian... Killian, Angie, and Sarah Angelica. And if you give at least $5 a month, you can de- you get to tell us what to talk about once per cycle on the show. Our first mm. Patreon topic comes from Thomas and asks, do you find it's harder to make friends as you get older? How do you know when you've crossed over from being acquaintances to being friends? So, Will, did the paragraphs help us cross over from being your acquaintance to being your friend? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> uh, Perfect. I consider you distant, <laughs> distant entities um, across a huge swirling river of doubt. But he knows Fear. we exist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's definitely harder to make friends as you get older. Everybody kind of settles into their own little bubble. Uh, people family up and they become little enclosed spheres or else they just get very busy with the grooves they've cut in society. And um, there's less opportunity for meeting people. And then um, also I think uh, the standard for friendship goes up. Like when you're in sixth grade, whoever is sitting next to you in your class uh, has a high chance of becoming a friend of yours. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, then when you're an adult, I'm not just going to be friends with anybody. I have to really like the person and go out of my way to talk to them, mm-hmm. you know, because I got normal people to talk to. <laughs> 
So if you're gonna, if I'm gonna add someone to the roster, it's got to be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> the connection has to be pretty good, is what I mean. Yeah. At a certain point, I just remember thinking, I don't want to meet more people. I have enough friends. Yes. Like I yes. can't handle knowing more about other people. Yeah, that's why, I mean, this this might come across as cold, but that's what I really enjoy about the improv community is you get to interact with people on a really fun level, but without the commitment of friendship necessarily. Mm-hmm. Taking on their emotional stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cool, have a great night. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then at the same time, like, you meet so many people doing improv that, like, there is a pretty decent chance that if you meet, so- if you meet enough you're gonna, people, you're yeah. going to meet some people who are great. Right. Yeah. And you're going to end up forming relationships anyway, but they come kind of naturally and there's no expectation up top that they'll get deep. Whenever people ask for advice, like for for, because I have a lot of people my age moving abroad or moving Mm -hmm. cities and they're always like, how do you meet people now? Because so much of life is online. And I always just go like, join a club, like Mm -hmm. do something, because then immediately, you know, you're with a group of people that you have something in common with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You may not like half of them, but there's going to be someone there that you at least like. And it's really easy because you're supposed to talk to people at clubs, whether, right. you know, no matter what it is. Yeah. What if that used to be what church was for? I honestly like as <laughs> yes, a as yes. a person who used to be really churchy, I think definitely that that sounds right to me because I for a long time, that was the only community I was really part of. And it was the only place I met people outside of like school. And then I dropped out of school and then I dropped out of church and like improv kind of filled that void. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's definitely it is, you know, well, especially in the countryside like that. I forget. Mm. That's how my parents met was a church youth group. Really? Oh. And because like that was the only thing that you could like travel from far your farm to another farm to get to meet other people. Right. See, I think improv has to take the place of secular of religion and um, <laughs> just create improv theaters and every region of the world and then like you know people are forced to learn long farm improv and then you know make their social life revolve around it and everybody you know has to pay a membership fee in order to be part of it and you yeah know, and there's certain the mantras you have to say together every week and yes certain, you have to meet once a week for three hours and um there's extra activity sometimes and you know, if anybody gets weird and creepy, you get kicked out. <laughs> Which, like, levels, to, to level be fair, up. that's actually better than most churches. <laughs> the thing with friendship also that I find difficult is I I need it to be, like, recently I developed this fear of calling somebody a friend in case they didn't think I was a friend. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, it has to be both ways. Otherwise, it's like you're saying we're dating when we're not. Or if I refer to someone, I'll be like, Oh, yeah, my friend this, but then I'll realize that I haven't, you know, they're high school friends that I haven't actually spoken to in five years. Mm -hmm. So it's like I will always correct myself and say, oh, sorry, they're an acquaintance as if to distance. I'm like, don't worry. Their actions do not reflect me in any way. I'm they're a removed entity. But I would still say hi to them if I saw them. Right. Mm-hmm. You'd still be best friends with them and invite them to your wedding and like put them in the bridal party and everything, but you wouldn't necessarily call them a friend in conversation <laughs> with other people. You got to have boundaries. Gosh, your your friendship levels are super high. I do everything in the extremes. <laughs> well, I had a couple of people in, in high school that were very intense with me and that kind of made me afraid of friendships hmm. that they viewed friendship as like an eternal bond and any backtracking from that represented a betrayal so then friendships became risky for me 
And it was just like, Ugh. that's not friendship. That's like devotion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's some traveling pants stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was just like, we're just having fun. Stop calling me. Yeah. I, I think that there's like, there's a value to having friends who are like very deep rooted friendships where like you'd kind of die for each other of course but i think there's also like such a value in having people who are sort of surface level Mm -hmm. where you're like yeah we get along really well we see each other like once every week or two but like we don't have to dump our crap all the time like i think that it's important to have those people in addition to having the people who you know crap on each other yeah i think it's good to recognize like yeah levels of friendship too even though we don't have words for them but i have friends who i see maybe once a year and we don't talk until i go hey i'm passing through town Mm -hmm. and we can meet up and have a good time and like not focus on like oh we should hang out more it's like this is this is our friendship and this is a beautiful as it Mm -hmm. is we don't need to be together all the time kind of thing and recognizing those differences instead Mm -hmm. of i've had friends who get really mad at me being like we're not hanging out all the time anymore and I was like well we have both changed and I you know yeah it's like you know you map it as a relationship you know yeah if the expectations are different on different sides it's somebody's feelings are going to get hurt Mm -hmm. I thought you know the other thing that makes it hard to have friendship as you get older is you have to consciously maintain them like they don't Mm -hmm. just get maintained by the normal habit of your life right you know if your friends are in school and you go to school every day that maintains your friendship yeah but if you are a grown-up, you have to do the awkward thing of planning to be around each other on purpose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, like, there was a time in my life, so I, I dropped out of school when I was 19, and so most of my friendships from when I was 18 and younger kind of stopped around then, because, like, I didn't really have the regular excuse to see these people. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, maybe two of them I still see, like, five, six years later, but, like... The, what ended up having to happen then was that uh, I got really into my work and then just worked all the time. And then I had to sort of build something into my routine that still felt productive, but was kind of like a friendship thing. And so for a long time, I treated like I treated it as if I could only be friends with you if I was working on something with you. And oh. so like doing something like a podcast is great because you meet up with the same people every week or two and you're like you know, especially this kind of show, we get deep. And so we, we, we share, you know, and that was filling that void, but also it wasn't really that healthy because I still saw it as work. And so now I've gotten better at that. And I have people that I just see and talk to and hang out with on top of this. But like, yeah, I think it can be really easy to fall into that trap of like, not, I mean, you know, it comes to the monetizing thing again, right? Like, not having to monetize every relationship in your life or not yeah. having to like turn every relationship in your life into content or mm-hmm. multitask you know it's all about like yeah especially when you're busy you're like I can't waste time and right. sometimes then you start viewing as like just hanging out as wasting time yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. let's we either make a podcast or I get out of my life right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well and, and that's it like you you need to you need to have people who you just hang out with you need to have those relationships because otherwise you're just going to get sad and lonely. <laughs> I let your voice crack to the <laughs> <first> <laughs> time. Sad. Sad. <laughs> and I, I fell in the uh, relationship trap of being with someone I really enjoy being with. And then it's like, we live together, we love each other, and we enjoy spending time together. Why would I need anyone else? <laughs> so, that's a, so it's like, it really is an effort to, you know, and I, I enjoy other people, of course. Ugh, but, what a, so hard with your super great relationship, I know. Kate. <laughs> Paul or nothing over here. But yeah, no, I, I feel that. Like, I think that when you are in a 
in a good relationship and you li- especially if you live together it can be really hard to like not just isolate yourself yeah, right yeah, absolutely. if you enjoy someone's company that much and you don't have to do anything to to see them mm-hmm. like yeah, of course you're gonna go to them first right they're always in your house <laughs> you're always in your house you can just be in your house yeah yeah. That's what's been great with podcasting of having guests over. Right. And it's like, oh, we clean the house and we have social interaction. <laughs> oh. Fantastic. I'm I'm like yeah. impressed that you guys clean the house before having people over for podcasts because I've just given up on that. <laughs> yeah. I like task oriented friendships. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how, how you guys get questions from Patreon people? Is that what happens, Tom? Yeah, that's right. We um so we have uh, everyone who gives at least five dollars a month gets to regularly send us questions for the show and then i sort of mm-hmm. pull ones that i think will be good for any given week um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah crazy fun yeah it works it it makes it kind of unpredictable like what we'll end up talking about any given episode but also like it, it really builds the audience relationship in a nice way that i think makes up for it yeah i approve <laughs> <laughs> we got the will Hines stamp of approval <laughs> yeah put that on the patreon page Hi, I'm Tristan Damour. You might know me from the Scrum Podcast. Hi, I'm Harrison Mueller-Rad-Jason. You might know me from, uh, anyway. So we're here to tell you about a new podcast miniseries called Hebemus Pod. It's a show about HBO's The Young Pope. Every episode, we'll feature a guest viewer to talk about an episode. Will they have a fresh perspective on the show? Two years after it aired? We sure hope so. It's very simple. We talk about three things. A highlight, a low light, and the very famous... Cherry Coke Zero character of the episode. Yes, yes. Uh, and we hope you tune in right here on the Upford Network. We do have a second Patreon topic for this episode that we can dig into. Okay. Uh, and that one comes from Gabriel, who asks, Where were you when Y2K happened? <laughs> That's fun. I remember, I so I had just moved uh, back to Montreal, uh, coming back to the you know, origin story from earlier. We moved back to Montreal from Vancouver in the fall of 1999. And uh, so I hadn't really met a lot of people here yet. I was still sort of figuring things out. I was sick, so it wasn't hard to make friendships, but like, you know, I, I still didn't really know people that well yet. And uh, the, what is it? YTV? The like, kid, yeah, there was like a kid's TV station that would, um, you know, aired all the cartoons after school. And they leading up to the y2k thing uh, i think kind of got on board with the joke um which i didn't realize at the time was a joke i thought it was a very serious like all technology is going to crash thing um and maybe people actually thought that yeah, now i, I like kind it, of think it's a joke i don't know i feel like it was a risk like because people didn't know what would happen like <laughs> a lot of people did know like the people who were directly linked to like computers and stuff but most people didn't know what would happen so like there people were actually freaked out by it yeah sometimes yeah. okay i remember freaking out okay because i i thought i was only i was only freaked out about it because i was a kid i you know everything i was hearing was like doom and gloom but as an adult now i hear that and i'm like that that seems like a silly thing to have been freaking out about but yeah i guess we didn't know better right I think there's always uh, society has a general fear of technology that is consistent and just it focuses on different things at different times. You know, it's like uh, cell phones are going to cause brain cancer. It's like Mm. every camera is always on and is spying on you. And it's like, no, the robots are going to kill everybody. And it's like, no, they have all your they have all your data. They have your data. (laughs) You know, and in 2000, it was like the year's going to break my computer. (laughs) 
And like in five years, it'll be something else. It'll just be like the trees. The trees are going to wilt from all the... From all the cell phone service or whatever. <laughs> Honestly, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm already board. freaking out about it. Bluetooth, <laughs> Bluetooth can like can like you know age your dog or something. <laughs> but it's just like society needs to be scared to a certain degree of technology, and hmm. they just keep finding new specifics for it. Yeah, that's what enough. I say. <laughs> So where were you guys during Y2K? I remember I was at home, so yeah, in Southern Ontario. But I was a kid who was afraid of everything, like big, big fear of West Nile virus and mm-hmm. SARS and like any, so any big thing, I was like, prepare. And so I remember <laughs> watching every news episode and just getting all the right information on what to do. But that was pretty, you couldn't, like Y2K was uh, so beyond me. And it was like, it's not like, wear black to not be seen by mosquitoes it was like you can't do anything and i was like at least i'm safe because i'm in the middle of the, like right. i'll ride a goat to safety like there's no <laughs> i'm fine <laughs> yeah i don't i don't remember exactly where i was but i i feel because it was like big panic but I, yeah i totally get what you're saying will about like us needing to be we jump on that fear bandwagon all together and we're all as a group and we're all together in that moment yeah. of, of fear and then it just diffuses and then just something else pops up and there's this new new thing to yeah. be on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like human evolution of just like we need to be afraid to make sure, you know, to make sure just in case it is real. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. if it isn't, we can slide along. Yeah. Just like defenses up. I think the danger there is that that comes from like the human a very normal human thing of being afraid of the unknown mm-hmm. but then like often we can kind of go too far with that too right where like the unknown ends up being things that are just unknown to us and like to other cultures it's like totally normal right yeah so like we we have to always be i think it's a good instinct that we have because it's like self-preservation but we have to know how to sort of like navigate it because otherwise it you know, leads yeah. to wars and stuff. For but, sure. But if dogs start aging real quickly, I mean. <laughs> I'm throwing out yeah. all my Bluetooth yeah. devices. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true that we're totally screwed, though, if if the big things happen. Like, because of, we're so dependent on the structure of society. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. If the pipes fuck up, we're fucked, you know? like Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, I remember one of the one of the many things about nine eleven. Like, I lived in New York City. Was cell phone service was out for like uh, twelve hours or so, just because um, the World Trade Center had been one of the main transmitters, and also everybody in the world was phoning everybody else in the world. Mm, right. And so landlines worked, but cell phones didn't. And uh, and then also they shut down all traffic in Manhattan, and you weren't allowed to drive in or out, and there was no planes going overhead. And it was just like everything just stopped. And if you wanted to do anything, you couldn't. It's like, nope, right. nothing is available to you. Yeah. Go back to your little cave and just eat whatever food you've accumulated to this point And we'll be back to you in a couple days. Or <laughs> yeah. That stresses me out so much. I don't like imagining like apocalypse scenarios where the only bad thing that happened is that we lose the Internet. Like every someone yeah. said that once they were like, what if what if the Internet just stops? And I was like, no, I don't want it. I don't want the internet. I want the internet all the time. Just don't <laughs> let it stop. I mean, somewhere there's a bunch of Atlas making companies that are like, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> they need us now. They'll come crawling back. Oh, Rand McNally. Google Lib- Maps my ass. These don't go offline. <laughs> Libraries would be flooded with people. There I think be- actually it'd be a fun experiment and it wouldn't be as bad as you think. Like, I yeah. actually think the main the main thing would be, I mean, it would be weird and it would be a transition but like 
think things would just slow down. That that's mm-hmm. the main mm-hmm. thing that would happen is you couldn't communicate as quickly. I read uh, after um, the uh, HBO series about John Adams came out whenever like twelve years ago or something. Mm-hmm. I read the I read the I read the book. Okay, I read the <laughs> book uh, by David McCullough about John Adams, American president. And um, a non-famous American president. It was sort of like a deep dive on a, on a not often scrutinized person. But right. um, John Adams was like revolutionary era, you know, American colony dude, founding father. Mm-hmm. And uh, what interested me was when they get to the part of his life where America declares its independence from Great Britain, um, you know, the representatives from all the colonies met and um, – George Washington was there and Benjamin Franklin was there and they said, all right, we're going to – we declare our independence. And, you know, Thomas Jefferson writes the Declaration of Independence and they sign it. And then they like send a guy to go tell England (laughs) that they declared independence (laughs) and that's a six-month trip. And then it's six months until they find out what England says. So they're like, all right, we'll see you guys next summer. And they all just (laughs) went home for the winter after declaring – Independence from the greatest, most powerful country in the world. They're like, we'll see what they think next June. And there was no way to find out like faster. There is no way, right? right? That's it. And I was, and I'm reading that. I'm like, that is so crazy. Whereas in our lives, if your like neediest friend texts you that her boyfriend called her and she needs you to consult with her, and you don't answer in ten minutes, she's mad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like. You have to respond so instantly all the time to everybody's emergencies, and you you don't. And it's sort of like that's what would reverse. There'd be no way. It'd be like, well, you have to wait for the mail, or you have to wait wait for a fax. Hmm. <laughs> I think that would be the that the Atlas companies would be psyched, and everybody else would have to chill out. Those are the two the main <laughs> things that would happen from the internet. Yeah, and I think that by chilling out, because I remember oh this is there's a connection but anyways uh there was an ice storm in montreal Mm. in uh, 98 or something like that and uh not only does it chill people out but then it brings them closer like i hated my brothers as a kid but when we were (laughs) during the ice storm we were all together around this one tiny table with candles and playing board games and stuff that's it yeah i remember the electricity went out for days too like in the winter and we just had to sit in blankets in the living room no one had to do chores like it was just like weird weird dangerous vacation yeah you take away like so many layers of stress from what technology brings you and it comes back to the raw root of just human interaction yeah i lived in vancouver during the ice storm of 98 so my winter was just kind of slushy Uh, (laughs) no but i i agree that like and especially for romantic things too like Mm -hmm. in in the olden days like it would be months to send a letter of Mm. like uh, you know, and to receive a letter or when someone went away to war, you just had to be like, I assume everything's fine. Like, mm-hmm. because communication is so slow. And then, but today, if somebody doesn't like message you back on Tinder in or in, on Bumble in 24 hours, that it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> is that how that works? <laughs> if you don't answer, the message just disappears? Like a certain amount of yeah. time. or Not just the message, the person. Yeah. Oh, they God. are killed off. Yeah. Oh, my God. They, they get removed from the world. Yeah. If you shit. die in Tinder, you die for real. <laughs> Here's the nerdiest possible digression off this. The least emotional and most boring. But it, I, I bring this up a lot because I find it fascinating. I've brought this up on many podcasts, and it's very boring. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. But I have this book, speaking about the internet and technology, I have a book called uh, Programmers at Work, and it mm-hmm. was uh, published in 1985 
by Microsoft Press. And Microsoft in 1985 was a big company but way smaller than it is now. And um, they interviewed all of the top technology people at the time to ask them, you know, what do you do at your job and what do you think is the next big thing to happen for technology, right? This is 1985. So like the, the internet existed. The World Wide Web would sort of be developed in like 88 or 89. And by like 92, it's really starting to happen. The internet is really starting to occur, right? So this is 85. None of them, none of them predicted the internet. Huh. None of them said the internet's coming. They all talked about CD-ROMs. They're like, there could be so much information on CD-ROMs. And they all talked about like smart thermostats. It'd be like, you walk in your house and your house is just going to adjust the temperature. Ugh. And like, and they all talked about computers getting smaller and smaller. So they'd be like, your computer's going to fit in the palm of your hand. So they sort of like predicted smartphones. But nobody predicted networking of computers. Huh. Nobody even mentioned it. And I was like, that's crazy. You guys are the best in your field and you didn't see the number the number one thing coming out of your field you didn't even have an inkling of it wow and that's what made me realize nobody knows anything <laughs> and anybody who has confidence in their opinions including the one i'm saying right now is full of crap yeah, yeah totally wow. well people don't i think know like if you ask someone hey what do you want like how do I word this? What do you want, you know, your smartphone to do more or, or, you know, something that hasn't been added into a smartphone yet. You have no inkling of how to express something because all mm. your needs have been pretty much met. Yeah. It's, e it's easy to criticize what's been done, but it's hard to envision what else could be like, it's way harder. Yeah. yeah. Like even I recently read, do Android stream of, uh, electric sheep. And it's like, there's so many things advanced in that book, but still he couldn't even grasp wireless things. Mm. Everything was still yeah. connected and there mm -hmm. was no, and it's like, yeah. that's such a basis of our society too, that it's like, you couldn't even fathom this, you know, foundational thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Philip K. Dick's world, if it was electronic, it had a wire. Yeah. Like you can't separate it. Yeah. It's just like when people do alien races in sci-fi, they always have eyes and ears. Huh. Um, because it's like a just like, really hard for us to think yeah. of exactly to create like, well, a creature. They gotta have eyes and ears. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, they, they might have a, like ten mouths, but they're gonna have eyes and ears. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, that's my boring. Oh, uh, Y2K. I forgot to say, I was thirty. Or uh, yeah, was I? Th I was twenty-nine, and um, not scared about Y2K. I was at a party <laughs> with all my college friends, and you know, we were all like eight years out of college. And a girl I had a crush on from college was there, and I hadn't seen her, and I was basically trying to ask her out. And she sort of said no. I mean, she said no. <laughs> um, she just she just did it sort of uh, graciously, I guess. <laughs> and then another friend of mine was drunk and kept coming up to me being like, are you talking to so-and-so? Don't do it, man. She's a nice package but a bad catch. <laughs> so the advice given to me by this, like, drunken person. I was like, I was like hey, man. Relax. Let's just all go see the talented Mr. Ripley tomorrow and chill out. <laughs> I wonder if there were more babies made. At, uh, because pe when people panic, people make babies. Isn't yeah, that like a maybe. general rule? Or yeah. They, yeah, they just stop thinking yeah, about yeah. the future, so yeah. safety precautions. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. too, yeah. I've They're had a pretty like, stressful it. year, and I can <laughs> confirm. <laughs> I bet you there's more 9-11 babies than Y2K babies, because Y2K was, like, dumb. Like, nothing nothing even came close to happening at all. Right. Mm -hmm. But, like, 9-11, it's like the world's over. I bet you there's a ton of kids born, whatever. Yeah. I, it's June of 2002. 
it's funny that we ended up getting to 9-11 on this because when Gabriel sent me this question, I initially misunderstood it as 9-11. Like I read Y2K and my brain was just like, yeah, that's what that's how you spell 9-11. And it really <laughs> wasn't until like this afternoon when I was printing up the, the show notes for this episode that I noticed that it was Y2K and not 9-11 and was like, oh, that's a very Well, they, they were close in time, right? They were like a year and a half later. So it's like that's Y2K true. was like a fake, fake, a fake crisis. And then then reality was like, here's a real one. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about Y2K. <laughs> That's an interesting thing, though, because I know whenever the electricity does go out, there is like a, a, a spike in births because mm-hmm. everyone lights nice. some candles and takes some time for each other. And uh, yeah, but yeah, it's like one of those things. It's so interesting to like look mm-hmm. at the spikes and then look nine months before. And you're yeah. Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. 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 We have like um, our our router modem i don't really know which of the two it is our internet box uh has like a backup generator attached to it so when we lose power we still have internet for three hours uh that's your modem yeah that's right and and so you know i just keep working when the power goes out here because my laptop is charged and my wi-fi is charged you monster yeah. i know <laughs> yeah lucky bastard i never i never take it as an opportunity to rest i'm just like well look at me i got technology on my side <laughs> did you specially order that yeah, yeah of course you i did. bought it on purpose <laughs> <laughs> well i mean part of my logic was that like i do a lot of like file uploading and stuff mm-hmm. and i was like i don't ever want there to be a power failure during a fi- file upload because like I don't know what happens when that happens and I don't want to find out. <laughs> I don't want like half of a podcast to exist somewhere in the internet mm. because it only uploaded halfway. I don't know. That probably doesn't actually happen ever, but like, I don't want to find out. The fear is there. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm very jealous of that. That's why I'm giving you a hard time. Jealous it, of the pre-planning. Yeah, <laughs> it was a one-time purchase through my internet provider. So, it, you know. That's the thing. <laughs> We're just staring at him. Like, yeah. Head's I was like, I was like, I could say more about this and then it'll sound like I'm trying to sell it and I'm not. But I just mean it's not like an added charge every month. It was like a one time. Like, uh, I've just never heard of that feature before. So I think that your internet provider is some sort of supernatural being <laughs> and that no, you've it's... entered into some sort of devilish pack that you don't <laughs> understand yet. I mean, that's basically what. You know, signing a contract for you must be a pretty low level soul. Like you, all you get, you don't get a, you don't get a, you know, beautiful talent for jazz. You get a three (laughs) hour generator for your internet. (laughs) Yeah, between those two things, I'd rather have three hours of internet during a power failure because I am a mess. I'd rather have that too. If the devil came to me and said I can make sure you're always online, I'd be like, sign me up, dude. (laughs) Well, well, that brings us to the end of our show for the week. Thanks so much for doing this. This is super fun. My pleasure. Um, Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, Goodbye, nice Canada. To meet you. Goodbye. Where Bye, can people Kate's. find? Uh, where can people find your stuff? Do you want to throw I some don't know. plugs out? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you like me, you'll find it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's well, the best plug. It's so mysterious. <laughs> it's confident. Yeah. Cool. Well, you come. Again. You come to me. <laughs> Kate, how are you feeling after your first episode? Great. Good. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, it, that's the thing. I feel like when somebody's not here like I said mm. it was hard to you didn't want to talk over them and then in the second half I was like he's not talking enough and then he would only be like oh yeah after we'd said things and I'd be like <laughs> stupid stupid <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, I think you did good. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Also, every time he referred to us as the Kates, I felt like our bodies were merging. I, I was moved jealous. A little close. Yeah, yeah. It made me want to be a Kate more than I've ever wanted to be. A Kate <laughs> I was like, I'm missing out on something here. <laughs> Uh, guys, if you like this episode, uh, rate and review the show on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. We've got a new episode of our Jeopardy bonus series coming out when we reach 40 Stitcher reviews or 500 likes on our Facebook page. And we're really close to both of those, so uh, make it happen. Woo. Share this episode with a friend who you just made recently, and this will be your way of communicating to them that you think of yourself as friends. <laughs> and if they share it back with you, that's how that's you'll know. <laughs> Which is a really, really... Acquaintances don't share. No, they don't. They don't, they don't give a shit. <laughs> they give a, a vague like. Mm. Yeah. They, they like the post, but they don't retweet. Yeah. Um, you can, speaking of retweeting, you can follow the show on Twitter at Down With Talking and each of us individually. I'm at Tom Zalatni. I'm at Red Random. At Kate the Hammer. No, no, that's not it at all. <laughs> that's, yeah, Kate Haha Hammer. Nice. Um, we have special thanks. That's a weird way to say that. <laughs> we have very special thanks for the Crackers and Jam band for letting us use title track off their EP Benson as our theme music. You can find all of the music that they make for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com. The show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, for the Upford Network. You can find out about all our great shows at upfordnetwork.com. Also, the very first link in this description in the description of this episode, that is, is a link to our Indiegogo campaign where we're currently trying to raise $10,000 to build a soundproof booth in our studio so that we can continue to do all sorts of podcast things once I have a screaming baby in my life. Woo! Woo! Wow! We got a couple fringe that plugs. Was a, almost, that was, a, that was a baby? Screaming baby. Oh, yeah, do baby sounds in the background you. while I read the fringe plugs. Um, That's what you think a baby sounds like? Wait, what like? the fuck kind of babies have you hung out with? <laughs> I try to avoid it. That's what I, I, don't, I don't do it a lot. Uh, yeah, no, wow. You Put either. on the spot. You don't fucking I know have what no idea sound what a baby like. sounds like. I have this theory that babies don't actually make sound and that we just imagine sound when they open their mouths. So it's our, it's our well, fault? Well, they're either screaming or like chewing. So that's the only thing that's coming to my mind is like, or, yeah. Or there's the, whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. I scared the shit out of myself. Yeah. Where was that sound earlier? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a weird, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of having sex now. Weird... Oh no, not with the babies. Not no. with the babies, I meant the Kate no. fusion. There's oh, come on. A grown adult small cartoon birds. That's what we're playing. Small adult cartoon birds? <laughs> My branch is twiggy. Oh dear. Guys, we're in the middle of the Montreal Fringe Festival right now, and we've got a couple of shows that have paid us to advertise them. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in checking out some sweet Fringe shows, check out What the Hell Happened to My Patio Furniture, starring Josh Budman, directed by Jeff Gandell. The show is inspired by an actual mysterious disappearance of Josh's patio furniture. It went missing from his 16th floor apartment, and his search for what happened brings more than he bargained for. You can check that out. For the rest of the week of the Fringe Festival at Montreal Improv Space B, there will be a link in the description for all the showtimes and where to get tickets. This show is also brought to you in part by Late Night Kids and Friends. 
I'm one of the friends. Are you one of the friends? I'm one of the friends. I knew Paul was one of the friends. Are you I'm an well, no, Paul is in it all the time. Are you uh, one of the friends I'm, too? No, I'm an acquaintance. You're an acquaintance. <laughs> oh, and I'm a sweet little baby. Guys, <laughs> Cool Cats Productions presents Late Night Kids and Friends, also at Montreal Improv Space B, the same venue as Josh Bedman's show. You can do a double feature most of those nights, I think. Go out of both. Super good times. Uh, there will be a link in the description for that as well. It's an improvised comedy show about the backstage antics of a children's TV show. Yeah. Uh, the cast are all really fantastic. Like we said, Kate and Paul will be there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, as well as a bunch of other lovely people who yeah. have never been on this show. So saying their names by name will not benefit our listeners <laughs> that much. But trust me on this one, they are all fantastic performers who I like a lot. And you should check them out. Cool, cool, cool. Sweet, sweet. Do you want to do, do it again? Oh. <laughs> Disgusting. This is so upsetting. You guys are never allowed near my child. <laughs> what? I get the finger wig? No, but you were like. You made him. You made him. Made him, made him, made him, made him, made him sexy. You made him like this. It was an adult bird. <laughs>